Um, it is good to see everybody back. And um, I wanted to say something about Sunday. Good service. It absolutely was. I don't think I've ever preached like that before. <laughs> I don't think you were on the ground. I think <laughs> you think uh, the, the Holy Ghost had me floating. <laughs> I'm telling Miss Marie, I don't know what happened. It's like I turned into another person up here. <laughs> and Dick back there, he was saying, bring it on <laughs> to the glory of God. <laughs> hey, guys, it's good to see you brothers again. To God be the glory. Hello. Hello. Errol and Mike. Um, but it was a fantastic Holy Ghost field service. And, and not only that, but... When you all were singing uh, Break Every Chain, I mean, the oh, spirit yeah. was just moving. Well, that gets you going. Yes, and uh, then little Max, <laughs> little Max came up and started doing the challenge. Like, <laughs> I don't know who shook. I mean, it was like the spirit was moving both of those babies, and they were dancing before the Lord. And when I first looked, Mac had his eyes open, and then he closed his eyes, and he showed up with the, I, I think either Shella Belinda pointed it out to me, because I, I, I was, I was a little soundboard like you told me. But one of the things, guys, that we have to remember that God said that he has perfected praise out of the mouth of who? Our babes. You know, and that's, that's seeing both of those babies just getting down before the Lord. And you seen it, Deke? I mean, it was it was absolutely wonderful. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And to God be the glory. And we have Clinton here. Yay! A long time. And I'm just so loud. I'm sorry, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited that Earl, Mike, and Clinton all at the same table. What a blessing. And we had we had visitors on Sunday. We had the husband was here. That's right. Mitchell was here. For the first time, and I think he enjoyed it. I, I'm hoping he. And but to to tell you all a little more, we even had supernatural visitors here. Hello, somebody. Amen. <laughs> Father and Lord Jesus and the Holy Ghost showed up, and the heavenly I sensed the heavenly host around in this building, and. It was incredible. Tell you something that happened to me yesterday, and we'll, we'll get ready to go to the Lord in prayer because it's so powerful uh, what's going on. God is at work in the earth. I mean, he's doing amazing things that really just, if his children would just stop and see with spiritual eyes, we will see where God and Lord Jesus are at work, okay? Don't start yawning now, Miss Vicky. We haven't even gotten started yet. <laughs> in, in a way, um, the post office had just donated a bunch of food to us because they had their food drive over the weekend. And I had just finished unloading the uh, wag uh, trailer wagon. And I looked over to the south and I seen an elderly gentleman uh, in an older Chevy Impala. And he went and looked under the hood. So I said, well, let me go back and see if I can help him. And at the same time, I'm thinking about miracles. 
And I'm saying, Father, your people need to see miracles again. And when I walked over there, he said to me, he said, I don't know what's wrong with it. It started fine this morning. And I raised the hood like I'm a mechanic, right? <laughs> Couldn't go, yeah, right. Pastor Samuel's a mechanic. And so, and I'm looking. But as I get close to the car, I spoke these words of life. Hear me carefully. I said, Lord Jesus, even mechanical things have to submit to you. Did y'all catch that? Lord Jesus, even mechanical things have to submit to you. And I looked down and that man hit that key and it started right up. Yeah, it started right up. And so as I was walking away, Earl, I'm going, Lord, did you just do a miracle? I said, yes, you did. You just reminded me through something that was so insignificant to a lot of people that God can still do miracles. Now, what are miracles by definition in the Greek as we see it in the New Testament? Folks, it is when God gives you the supernatural ability to do something that you wouldn't otherwise been able to do. Could I have started that car? No. But he could, and he did. When I told Lord Jesus that even this machine has to submit to his authority, guess what happened? Things happen. Things happen. The car started right up. And the reason why I'm telling you this story, the guy that helped me unload the trailer, a, a brother in Christ from the Catholic Church seen me unload, and he turned around and came back, and he helped me unload the trailer. Anyway, he said, where are you going to next? I said, I'm headed to Hitchcock's um, to get some food. And I didn't know the man was going to follow me to Hitchcock's. <laughs> so he followed me. When I got there, he actually had beat me there. And uh, I got there. He was waiting in the receiving, shipping and receiving department. And he said, what took you so long? <laughs> I didn't know you were coming here. But anyway, guess what this conversation was about? He said he and his wife had just talked about miracles. And, he, and she told him, said, honey, no, she told him that God only do big stuff. And he said, no, baby, God do small miracles too. Okay? And when I told him about what had happened, he said, come here, tell my wife what you just told me. And so I did. And uh, she agreed. She agreed. But the interesting point of all of that is that God was saying a message to who? Her. Not just her, but to who? Everyone. Everyone. To me, especially. Don't discount the small stuff that God does. Because if we miss the small stuff, we may also miss the what? The big stuff. And we may give a credit, you know, accredited, or what's another way to say it? I don't know. I'm not a smart guy, but anyway, when you're trivet, just gotta give God a glory. That's it. When you're trivet, God working, and you give that glory to somebody else. Lord Jesus says you call. He calls that blasphemy. When you do that, so another item. Tell you how good God is. There's another building I didn't know that was for sale. And it's over by the ball field, Shelly. 
right behind uh, Southern Auto. Where we had our sunrise service? There's an antique the, store there. That's the one. That's the one. The owner told me today, he's, he said, I will drop it to 200000 for you. That's my, that's my dad's best friend. He said it has a bathroom inside. And I've been in there before. It's really nice. Very it has a kitchen, has two outdoor bathrooms, has a basketball court, and it's fenced in. It's one acre. It's a little over 2,000 square feet with the potential. Furniture right, the ping pong yeah. tables outside. Okay. Made out of comfort. What street is it on? The Winn Dixie side? Yeah, it's on the Winn Dixie side. Like a little house? Yeah, it's like a yeah, but when you when you go in, it's really nice on the inside. And the back, you saw where all the offices are. And everything. Right, and plus the front park open up into a, a church, and you can build on, you can add on to it. That guy well, got an acre of land, and it's an acre of land. And so, and he and he said something that I didn't think about. He said, Sammy, because I, I know him, and his wife is battling cancer. I know. I've, my dad's known 50 years. Awesome. And he said, Sammy, you can put a sign on the back, and people driving up on the CVS side can actually see the name of the church right there. He said, then you can put your the sign up by the road, and you can direct people there. So I don't want to be in the mindset that I, I, I'm, I'm fixated on Main Street and miss God's blessing. I want to go where the Holy Ghost says to what? Go. Because the more I think about conquest down there, the more I see a disaster. I see, and I actually thought about it this week. Well, Lord, are we really getting in over our heads here? It doesn't have the yard we want. It doesn't have right. the kids. And, and financially, you know, that's a lot of money each month. Mm -hmm. Just, just $1,800 or $1,500 a month just in rent. And then turn around, you got to pay utilities. And you know the operating costs. Plus, we have to modify the building to what we want. Right. And so the cost is astronomical. And the spill, the chemical spill. <laughs> Trust me, while you were gone, your little brother did his homework. Okay. How They're not. I'm not. I, I'm not happy with the results I found. Okay. Uh, anyway, so we can pray about this today and ask the Lord. Father, this is your will. If you tell us to leave Main Street. What we can do sometimes is we can quench the spirit by not being vision-minded. What I mean by vision-minded? That means looking beyond where we're at. Will we be able to see this building? I will make the point. I will. This gentleman, I can call him. In fact, he was next door. Mike, he was next door at the bar eating. Yeah, he's a drinker. Yeah. But do you know where to find him? <laughs> I know, I know, I know where to find. Him. Father, I'll talk to you afterwards. My yeah. father is, has been doing antique business with him for almost 40, 50 years. So, and I, I've talked to him and his wife before, and they they seem to be good people. They came up from down south. From where we are, we're the same place. That's how my dad knew. And so he's big in the antique world. I think it's worth while. And also the real estate lawyer, I ran into him today, and he said some big restaurant company was trying to buy CarQuest. I'm not, we're not going to be in competition with a restaurant company. However, I do know if God wants us to have it, yes. and nobody... Competition with anybody we want. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> there ain't nobody going to stop that. Okay? 
But it's just Sammy Nelson saying that it's best to be not in competition, but it's always great to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. Okay? I don't want to be so earthly blinded with my eyes fixed on that building and miss a blessing. Amen? Amen. And uh, Miss Marie is back safely. Yes. We're so glad that she's back. She's greatly missed. Answer your phone next time your brothers and sisters call for you. I called you. Belinda said she called for you. and She answered when I called. Yeah, she answered when you called. She answered one time. That one time when we prayed for her. Yeah. But uh, she didn't answer again. I called her again. No answer. Okay. Uh, I, I babbled enough. Uh, my wife's dad is back in the emergency room uh, with his heart. They think maybe his, his blood pressure has bottomed out almost, and they think maybe it's atrium fibrillation again. Because that's what atrium will do. It'll send your blood pressure rapidly dropping and then kick it back up so fast. Like it can make your head, literally make your head spin. And it could send you into a massive stroke just like that because the lower part of the heart won't be able to pump the blood out as fast as the top part is pumping it in. I know I've been there personally. And uh, I know how he's feeling. Uh, so pray for him. She she's, she's right. She's still at the emergency room. I went and got Max. Because I, I didn't I had no idea that she was there when I was up in uh, my group meeting. And I came out and just looked at my phone and seen a text. She said, we're in the ER at the VA. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> I'm just, just got in my van. So I went right over and uh, got her and Max and took them to get something to eat. Uh, God is good. Let's get ready to go before the Lord in prayer. Then I, there's a thought that um, come on my heart from the Lord this morning. I want to share with you all before we go into Bible study. Let's pray. What you got, Mike? Pardon me? Sure. I, I was just saying, what you got, man? Uh, for my father, my mother, bringing her repentance and just uh, all the pain and things that I've been fighting just for this Lord. So. Okay. Mike, I'm going to ask you a question that appeared to be a very commercial question during a movie called Do You Believe? Yeah. Did you see the movie? No. Well, you had the black guy carrying the cross and it came up on the pastor of a church. And two blacks just had made an attempt on his life. The pastor, he stopped that pastor and he asked, do you believe in the power of the cross? Do you believe? I'm asking that question to you, Michael, because I know a little bit about you and I won't disclose anything. But son, in order for you to see the power of God at work today, in your life first, and in the life of your parents, you must believe in the power of the cross. Now, what is the power of the cross? It's just a piece of wood. But what is the power of the cross? Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood. Do you believe, Michael, 
that the power of Jesus in his blood is greater than anything you're facing right now. Then son, will you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ right now? So you tell Jesus that Jesus, I, Michael, submit to your Lordship right now. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to deliver me from the bondage that I've been walking in. Because Paul said in these words, and I don't care about what else we got to do right now. The Holy Spirit need, wants me to minister to you right now. At the closing chapter of chapter 7 in the book of Romans, Paul is writing about a deep struggle that all of us struggle with. And that's our ability to obey God. Even though we know what's right, we still struggle with that. I struggle with it. Shelly struggle with it. Clint struggle with it. Dick struggle with it. We all struggle with that at times. But at the closing part of that chapter, Paul made, he makes a very powerful statement. And he says words to this effect. He said, who shall deliver me from this body of death? So it starts what we call the next chapter out with answering that question in that next chapter we know is chapter 8. And it starts with a very powerful, powerful word from the Holy Spirit. Here's that word. There is, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That means, Michael, when you confess to Jesus right now that you belong to him, God will not judge you for your sins. Because immediately, Michael, from your heart, from your spirit, right now, there's the gentleman, everybody. Turn around and look. Okay, now let's stay focused on this. I just want you to look. When you... Submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Michael. When you tell Jesus from the, the sincerity of honesty from your spirit, and I'm not talking about from your mind, I'm talking about your inner man right now. Then, Michael, faster than the speed of light, the blood of Jesus will set you free. And the Holy Spirit will seal you right now. Amen. Do you believe, Michael? Yes. Then while I'm praying, you tell God, I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ now. And forgive me for my sins and wash me with your blood, Jesus, and fill me with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, there's no one like Jesus that you've given to us. There's no other Savior. There's no other spirit like your spirit, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, you have told us in your word that you have washed all of our sins away by your own blood. That day when you went to the cross, Lord Jesus, you had Michael 
in mind. You had Samuel in mind. You had Vicky in mind. You had all of mankind in mind. You took us as if we was in your loins. And you took our sins upon that cross with you as Father laid them on you. And there's no sin in which your blood could not cleanse other than the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You refuse to deal with that one and forgive. But all other sins, you told us, all sins are forgiven men except for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That means all of Michael's sins, all of Samuel's sins, all of Earl's sins, all of everyone's sin that's in the world has now been washed away by your blood. And Michael now is confessing to you, Lord, that he submit himself to, himself to your lordship. And he's praying earnestly for his mother and his father that he doesn't want them to perish. And Lord Jesus, that is why you came, that all who believe in you will not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord Jesus, touch Michael now by your spirit. Rebuke the demons that's been hounding him all these years. Send them to the abyss. Wash them clean, Jesus, and fill them with your Holy Ghost right now. Every demon spirit will command you now to loose yourself on Michael in Jesus' name and be cast into the abyss. Lord, we're praying and asking you, send the Holy Spirit to his mom and his dad's house or wherever they're at and speak to their spirits, not to their flesh because the flesh is going to rebel. But speak to their spirits now, one-on-one, -on -one, where no demon can interfere. And speak words of life into their spirits. And show them the perfect work of the cross that you've done, Lord Jesus, to save them from their sins. And allow your blood that is still fresh in heaven to drip down on them, Lord. And cause their inner man to cry out, what must I do to be saved? In the Holy Spirit, you will give them the rest. We're asking for this now. And Lord, for the gentleman that owned the building, we pray for his salvation first. We don't care about a building. We care about the soul. Deliver him from the spirit of alcohol right now in the name of Jesus. And save him by your gospel, hearing of your gospel. Save him, Lord. Save him, Jesus. And fill him with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, heal his wife, forgiver of her sins. And fill her too with your precious Holy Ghost. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we're asking these. And Lord, every person that's here now, Father, right now, by your spirit, touch. Forgive us of our sins. Wash us whiter than snow, Lord. For thou art holy, O God. Have your way, Lord, in our presence. We're praying, dear God, for the peace of Jerusalem and for all of Israel. And we're praying for a mighty movement of your spirit across this land. 
bringing men and women and boys and girls to repentance is a call on the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. Yes, Lord. Thank you for bringing Earl back after all this time, Lord. Now, Father, in Jesus' name, cleanse him and fill him with your Holy Spirit right now. Thank you for bringing Miss Marie back safely, placing angels of safety all about that aircraft and bringing her home to the newness of life, a new pony, Lord. And now, Father, we're praying that you touch your sister Lorraine, strengthen her, O oh God, and prepare her for the journey, for she wants to be with you. Prepare the, the family's heart, O oh God, to release her into your hands. Lord, be with my father-in-law in this hour. Strengthen his heart, O oh God. Prepare him, Father. Because I believe he too, Father, is ready for the journey. Have your way tonight, Lord God, in this place. And let those who are walking by be moved by your spirit. Bring them in, Lord. Holy Ghost, we're here, gathered in the name of Jesus. Lord, have your way. He's our king, he's our master, he's our everything. And to God be the glory, the only true and living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Let God's people give him a hand praise right now because he's worthy. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes to your will, O oh God. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I was asking the Lord yesterday morning, why, Lord, why aren't people coming? Why aren't they coming, Lord? We've done everything that at least we thought we could do. If I'm the problem, Jesus, move me. But Lord, I believe I'm doing what you want me to do. Turn to the book of John, Emma, chapter 4. Ah, I put it in wrong. Ah, I'm just going to start over. Chapter 4, just do... Do the middle middle column. Just look up at the board, um, Michael. What is it, John? Chapter four. John chapter four. Yes. I can't read it. One up, darling. And take it to chapter four. Don't go to verse The Lord Jesus Christ, I didn't want you to reconcile. I wanted you to leave the others, but that's okay. That's all right. The Lord Jesus is sitting on Jacob's well. John 4. He's sitting on Jacob's well, everybody. At a place called Sychar. To immediately, depending on how he was sitting, to the east would be two mountains. 
Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, two miles apart. The mountain that Josh, that Moses told Joshua when they entered the land, put one half of the Israelite on one mountain and put the other half of the Israelites on the other mountain. And have one side shout the blessings for obeying God and the other half to shout the curses for disobeying God. So that they would know that heaven and earth would now be a witness of what? Against them. A blessing if they obey, a curse if they disobey. Anyway, Lord Jesus is sitting on Jacob's well. Samaritan woman comes in the middle of the day to draw water. Well, Jesus starts the conversation with her to give him a drink of water. And, of course, she's surprised that, number one, he's a Jew and talking to her being a Samaritan. And, and, and the other one is that she's a woman. Okay? So he tells her to go and get a husband. She said, I don't have a husband. So you've said, well, because you've had what? Five. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. Okay? So she could become a slicky girl. And she turns the conversation to religion, yes? And um, she didn't know who she was talking to. She didn't know that she was talking to God in the flesh. Huh? And here's what he told her. He said, woman... You don't know who you are worshiping. For us Jews know who we are worshiping. Okay? Because salvation is of the Jews. In other words, the Messiah is going to come out of the nation of Israel. Yes? As he's having this conversation with her in verse 23. Never before had God given such revelation to the world than what was said in verse 23. Here's that revelation. Emma, don't go to sleep on me, doll. Okay, I'm going to fire my computer operator. Don't fire me. So here's the revelation knowledge. Look at verse 23. But an hour is coming... And now he is. What does he just say? What does that mean? He said things about to change and they have already changed in heaven. They're here right now. Okay? When a true worshiper, and here it is. This is where you got to get it in your heart. True worshipers. I looked this up in the Hebrew to find out what, what is he talking about? And the Hebrew makes it even more specific. And it says, those of true worshiper. You mean there's a remnant that's even more in love with God than that? When it says those of true worshiper, or it could, another way, look at it, the whole pack of true worshipers. And the word worshiper, and well, the way they put it, 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 it puts it in the same realm as those who are holy. The word Kadesh. Okay, when it talks about things that are holy, things that are sanctified. In other words, God already knows who you are. That's right. 
So said, now is the time, right this moment. True worshipers. What about true worshipers? Shall worship the Father. He said, lady, from this moment forward, true worshipers are going to worship God. And I was asking God, why aren't they coming? Because, number one, they are not true worshipers. Because in order to worship God, you must worship in spirit. That means according to the movement of the Holy Ghost. You must be ready in an instant to worship God. It doesn't matter where you are, because that's what he told that lady, not on this mountain or anywhere else. Otherwise, lady, you've got to be ready when the spirit moves. Go ahead and lift them hands or bow down, whatever. Get in the worship mode. What's the in truth? That mean according to God's word, you're worshiping the one true God according to his ways and not yours. Amen. And this old lie that people say, I can stay home and worship all by myself. Well, you ain't worshiping our God. Because he calls for a celebration worship, okay? And it did says true worshipers will come and worship the Father. That means it is a collected service. Okay? Now, God understands if you're home and you can't get to an assembly to worship because one reason or another, that's okay. But when you deliberately isolate yourself from the body of Christ, you are not in the body, you're by yourself. Body means body, more than one part. And so when the Spirit pointed this out to me, I go, whoa, that's deep. And then what he showed me, and I wanted to share it with you all, he said, look at the rest of that, Samuel. And I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm about in tears, and I'm going, because I, I don't understand, Dick, why aren't they coming? I am generally, I'm studying my heart out, the Word of God, to really give y'all the very best that God has given me. Okay? Watch what it says. Michael, this is the part you need to hear now by the Holy Spirit. The Father seek such to worship him. God is not looking for phony people. When people got the right heart for worship of the one true God and his son Jesus, the Holy Ghost will bring them in. But if they still want to be a phony, then they can remain out there because the Father is not looking for junk. He's looking for genuine, authentic worshipers. Amen. That's why I tell these ladies, when they're playing and they're singing, these musicians, what do I tell y'all? Give God all you got. Don't hold anything back. I don't care your husband's watching, your children watching. I don't care if your hairpiece fall out or whatever you got. Okay? Venture, whatever. Give God the glory that he deserves. Let, we used to say in the Pentecostal world, let go and let God. Okay? 
And that's what happened to me Sunday. All of a sudden, I didn't care what Miss Nelson was thinking back there. <laughs> but so I can say that because she's not here. But <laughs> do you see that? Do you see that? In verse 24, he seals what he had put in verse 23. And here's the seal. God is a spirit. Meaning, you are not coming here to see something physical. That means you're not coming here to see a preacher. And you're not coming here to see her play. You're not coming here to watch her do whatever she do. You're coming because you know God is here in the spirit. Amen. Worshippers must. And you must worship the one true God and him only. And that's one of the things that King Jesus told Satan when Satan was tempting him. Saying, I will give you all if you fall down and worship me. And they said, listen here, Satan. You are to worship the Lord your God and him only. Amen. Period. So if folks are not ready to be true worshipers, God don't want you. Now the Jews, they would have understood this statement. Because Israel knew that you go in the presence of God monking around, God was going to kill you. Go back to Israel of old, ancient Israel. Dig up some of the bodies and ask them, why are you dead? Why are you in the ground? Step back, Moses. Moses stepped back in the earth, opened up and swallowed 3,000. Because they didn't fit in the category of true worship. They were rebelling against the one true God. So verse 24, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you come through those doors, the Holy Spirit wants your mind set on Jesus and God and them alone. Don't come looking for something that's got a lot of extravagance to it, a lot of glitter, and a lot of good looking. In other words, don't come looking for ecstatics. Did I say that right, Emma? Ecstatic things will not do you any good in the presence of God. You can be a dirty, rag, homeless guy and come through that door with a heart of worship and the Father will move you right on up into his presence. And so, our job now is to pray for lost people who will be saved and have a heart of true worship. Because that's what the Father wants. He don't care about numbers. He care about true worshipers. That's what he wants in his kingdom. And if you're a true worshiper, then you need to let him know. You don't need to be bashful. No one should have to beg you to come to Bible study or come to Sunday morning worship or any other thing that represents your Lord and your God. You would want to do it because you are a true worshiper. Amen.
Now, when you're out to ask you, put a little money here. And I, you don't hear me preaching on money. I don't like that. I want to tell you to be in love with Jesus. But his word does tell you to give. And to give what? Generously. That's part of being a true worshiper. Okay? But that's not what all this is about right now. It's about you having a heart of worship. Michael W. Smith don't realize how powerful the song is that he sings. When the music stops and it's all have what? Passed away. What will you have? He said you will have a heart of true worship. He said, Lord, I want to come back to the heart of what? Of worship. Heart of worship. Because folks, that's when you, you can sense the presence of the Holy Ghost in ways. We know he lives in us, but I'm talking about literally feeling the presence of the Lord. And that's when people begin to see things that they've never saw before in worship services. That's when, and it's documented, people that had old ragged and nasty rotten teeth, all of a sudden got new teeth in place in a worship service. Are y'all hearing me? People were missing limbs, missing fingers. In the worship service, fingers grew out. Are y'all hearing me? People, a, a guy, I think they said, came from Japan, had nothing but white sockets. How did you worship? You know what happened to that man? He got sight, and he had white eyes, but at, before he left that service, he had colored eyes. <laughs> huh? Huh? So don't tell me God can't do the impossible. When his children come, that's why Jesus was telling this woman, do you understand who this woman was, Michael? Do you understand what kind of reputation this woman had? Surely she had a reputation of being a whore. Okay? An adulteress. Not a good reputation among men. But Jesus saw something more than what men saw, didn't he? He seen a daughter that he created for the glory of his father needed to be saved. And he knew, like all of us, that's right, Deke. And he knew that this woman, once he saved her, would have a true heart of what? Worship. So, for what it's worth, now we can go to the next hour with Bible study. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3. Now we can get the younger deacon to stay awake. Maybe the older deacon to stay awake. Uh, we're all <laughs> <laughs> yes, Doc. Second Corinthians, the second book of the Corinthians church. So we're going to start at one. Brand new chapter tonight. You've been AWOL.
Chapter 3. All right, you all about to be given a revelation knowledge by the Holy Ghost on things. You better stop, young man. Straighten yourself up. That's the last warning. Listen. Here we are. This is Paul's second letter, and there's been an attack on his character. On his position as an authentic apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's having to defend this position. Because some so-called, and I want to say the word because it's a, it's a seminary word that we normally use, superlative. Superlative apostles came down from Jerusalem. Now, what is superlative? That means you think you're better than me. That's what superlative means, that I've now just exalted myself above you, and so I'm the super preacher and you're not. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You little stinker. <laughs> Why'd you say something like that? <laughs> but that was the attitude that they had. Okay? And it's not my heart. I'm just, it's a habit now. Remember, I told you the Lord said, my mind got to be what? Re, 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 reprogram. So, because I'm always going like this. Uh, hey, look, it's good. I'm telling you, it's good. Now, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Otherwise, now, do we have to brag on ourselves? Uh, that's what he's saying in verse 1. Think you need somebody to brag on you to make you feel good? What, what about you? When you play the piano so wonderful before the Lord, you need someone to brag on you. Need, uh, what about you? Oh, you need to walk around doing like this and somebody think your neck crook or something? Okay. But some people really, they got an ego problem. Yeah. Okay, and they, they want to be put on pedestals. Is everybody cold in here? Y'all look like a, uh, go do something about it. I'm okay, because uh, I'm always hot when I'm up teaching or preaching. So here we have it. Or, okay, Emma, you got some on 2 Corinthians and others not. It got to reconcile for me, baby girl. There we go. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of commendation to you or from you? Otherwise, do we need you to tell us who we are, to make us who we are, to make us feel good? Do we need <laughs> you to validate us? You know how people like to say that? You know, I need you to validate me. Uh-uh. Okay. None of that junk. We don't need your letters. We don't need your vocal pat on the back. We don't need anything from you. Why? Why is you telling them this? Because. Go ahead. Because we've already been validated through Christ. Yes, baby. We've already been validated through Christ. Nothing is better than that. Okay. And I don't care if you like Shelly, always walk around with your mouth open. Hey, look, Christ still validated us. Still belong to Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. I'm a little cynical. <laughs> okay. Anyway, verse, verse 2. Here's what he says. Now, this is important to get. He said, you are our ladders. In other words, the work that God has done in the Corinthian church through the Apostle Paul is good enough. Because these folks are saved. But you got a handful of them that's acting like stupid people. 
I shouldn't say that because mm -hmm. uh, little Max will pick that up and he'll be calling stupid again. <laughs> he already picked it up. I know he's already said. He even said to me one time, stupid papa. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Oh, boy. Okay, Lord Jesus, we're moving on. So you are our letter written in our hearts. So we know what God is doing among you. We know what God is doing in you. We see the evidence. And you are in our hearts. We know what the Holy Spirit has been doing with you. Okay? I can see how God has changed your life when I see the spiritual growth. That's good enough. Okay? I don't need you to send me $1,000 and say, oh, look what Pastor done. We appreciate him. No. When I watched Shirley and Clinton two years ago, I said, Lord, help them children. Thank <laughs> <laughs> <In> God. <he's> <laughs> I really didn't say that. <laughs> Don't be lying, preacher. And so, but I see where they are today. Okay. And I also see a brand new young lady from Topeka. I know what she confessed two or three weeks ago. But I also know the journey that God has taken on. And, and you're going to filter out some junk before you see some good stuff. Okay? Because are y'all not junk that you were two years ago? No, you're not. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're loving and kind and easy to put up with me. <laughs> okay? So that makes you my family. And you all loved me from the first day we met. Mm -hmm. Out there. You did. And look. <laughs> a year and a half later, look. Perfect match Nine made in heaven. Ago I met you. How many? Nine. Yeah. Church. Yeah. And I'm still putting up with Michael. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul is saying, okay, we don't need any bells and whistles. To authenticate us. We know what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. We know what our King has done. Because the hallmark of this whole letter, even though it's, it's, it's built around controversy, the hallmark of the whole letter is Jesus himself. And what this brother's going to do, and what he's actually already doing, if you hadn't noticed so far, is that he's building who up? Jesus. He's erecting Jesus above all this foolishness that's going on in the Corinthian church. Now remember some time earlier, he had already dealt with a lot of stuff that we've seen in the first letter. And you know, the enemy always think he's wiser than God and try to always come back another way to attack God and his people. But he's not smarter than Jesus. Okay? Look what the Holy Spirit has him, this man for the right, so you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. So people see the evidence. There's a testimony, okay? We all at some point, if God played our life of our old man in the church, not many people would come back. Will y'all hear me? If God played the old you, Flash it up on the screen, a motion picture of Vicky. And what her life was like before Jesus saved her. Even at points after Jesus saved her for Sammy. Okay, cause. 
Folks will never come in here again because they can't get past of what you used to be rather than what you are now. And Paul is saying to this church, God knows what you used to be, but look what you are now in him. Look what you are now, how your life lined up. And I imagine you was a pistol. <laughs> I bet you were something else. <laughs> okay? Whether your outward appearance or <laughs> He's no good today. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit says, look how wonderful your life is now. Because God doesn't see a before picture anymore because the blood of Jesus washed the before picture away. Mm -hmm. Ooh, glory. And what he sees now is the new. Behold, all things shall become what? New. And that's what God is seeing. And that's what God is smelling, Michael. A free, a, look at me, getting tongue-tied. A sweet smelling aroma. A sweet fragrance. Okay? Now, somebody else walked in here earlier today and talked about his body odor. I ain't going to call in the name. He's your younger deacon. Uh, you show that you are a letter from Christ. The results of our ministry written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stones, but on tablets of human heart. What did he just say in verse 3? He just told you and I that your very life is a testimony written on other people's hearts. Well, what does that mean? The Holy Ghost wrote it there that Vernon knows what Shelly Smith used to be. No, Vernon knows what Shelly Smith is now. <laughs> he knows that she's not junk, but she's somebody in Christ Jesus. <laughs> she is somebody in Christ Jesus. And in heaven is written the testimony about Shelly. And her love for the living God and his son, Jesus. That is the testimony that's written on men's heart about her. Thank you for the gum. <laughs> and so, such confidence as this is ours through Christ Jesus before God. Aren't you glad that God don't see the old you? Huh? Aren't you glad, young lady, that God didn't see your little fast tail out there doing things that you're not supposed to be doing when mama's not looking? Like what? I ain't telling. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a figure of speech. Yeah. But aren't we all glad that God is not keeping a record of those who are in Christ Jesus? That's why it's so important to get Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There, therefore, now is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there's nothing to condemn you for. The blood of Jesus has removed it all. I don't care how much you have in your mind. So, here's true forgiveness. 
You ready for it? True forgiveness is this. Somebody done you wrong? You done God wrong. God not holding that against you because of the blood of Jesus? You don't hold it against the other person because of the blood of Jesus against you. Is that a revelation knowledge for some people in here? The same blood that sets you free could be the same blood that condemn you. Now, look at verse 5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Oh, I do what I do, and I'm proud of what I do, and I know what I do because of Jesus. And I know that I got one boss to please, and that's King Jesus and God himself. That's what I do. I told two young men at the guitar center last night, I said, if you come to us, I promise to teach you everything that the Lord has taught me to the best of my ability. All that he's taught me in these past 32 years, I promise not to hold anything back. And I promise that I will help you if you will listen to the Holy Spirit I will help you grow in your relationship with God the Father and God the Son. Amen. I will help you stop looking at yourself and start looking at him. And I'll help you get out of the bed at 3 o'clock in the mornings and your wife say, honey, where you going? And say, go back to sleep because she don't have a word that you're sneaking out the house going to see another woman. You're going to the next room to go before God. That's what I'll help you do. If you will allow me to teach you, I will help you do what the Lord wants you to do. And in return, I hope you help me. Well, pastor, have you prayed today? Pastor, have you had time to eat today? She gets me all the time. <laughs> My daughter gets me all the time. Huh? I haven't eaten all day. My daughter gets me all the time. I said, Dad, you need to sit down and eat. And I'm going, do it look like I need to? She said, I know you. You need to eat. Charlotte said, she give me that old cockeyed look from Kansas. <laughs> I just have a pretty face. She said, what did you eat today? No, I haven't eaten yet. You better go get something to eat. <laughs> boy, who's she married to? Clinton or me? <laughs> she cares. You don't care who she cares for. That's right. <laughs> I like that. Anyway. He has made us what? In verse 6. King James Version. Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament. Listen here, Earl. God don't care what man say to you or what man says about you. If he has made you one of his ministers, then you go do what thus said the Lord. And you don't be bashful. 
You don't shut up because somebody tell you to shut up. I told you my remedy for that, didn't I? I told all y'all that remedy. I said, oh, you want me to leave? Really? Uh, can we just take a moment and find out some truth here? My father owns the real estate. <laughs> and where do you want me to go? Because wherever I go, he has the deed to it. And by the way, he owns the land that you're standing on. So if anybody should leave, you should leave. And by the way, where are you going to go? Because he owns it all. Unless you leave this planet. Oh, oh, excuse me. He created the universe. So where are you going to go? Because my father in heaven owns it all. So why are you going to tell me? I'm going to call the police and have you arrested for trespassing. Yeah, you can put me in physical handcuffs, but you can't put me in jail. What you talking about? Yeah, I may be sitting in a cell, but I ain't in jail. I'm just as free as free can be by the spirit of the living God. Because my daddy owned the planet. And because you throw me in jail for doing what he said to do, you're going to have to answer to him. And you're going to go to his jail. Huh? <laughs> I ain't never heard of anybody coming back from hell bragging about how bad, how good it is, and how much they had a party there. And people waiting in line to go to hell. Have you seen it yet? I have never seen in the history of man people lining up to go to hell. If I missed a guy, please tell me. But I have seen when men and women have lined up to come to Jesus so that they can go to heaven. Amen? Am I a little cool, cool today with the, with, the, with the Lord? It's all right, isn't it? 706, Miss Vic ain't going home yet. All right, let's travel on down. But if the administration of death or the ministry of death, but if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory, what is that? That's a little tough to look at and, and, and get right away, isn't it? Ms. Vic, on your side, now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, what is that? Uh, can I help you all out? Ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Oh, yeah. Written on tablets of stone known as the Law of Moses or the Law written on tablets of stone by the finger of God. Okay. Now we're tracking. They're called the ministry of death because people don't keep them. In other words, they're there to remind you and I that we need a Savior. Amen? And the Savior is Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. Now, since it's raining, we can stay here all night. So, you ought to be home by 8? All right, I'll let you go at 745. <laughs> yeah, like, like, a, okay, I'm going to close it on out. But 
Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters, the Ten Commandments, came with glory, because remember Moses, when he came down off the mountain, what was happening? He was doing what? No, he was glowing. He was glowing from the presence of God. Okay? And so the Ten Commandments, when it came, they taught those Israelites how to get along. How to get along with God and how to get along with each other because that's what they're for. Right? Correct. And so if that came with the glory, what Paul is saying, so that the Israelites could not look steady at the face of Moses because the glory fading through it was, will not diminish of the Spirit be even more glorious? So, Moses put a veil over his face because it was bright and then the, 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 the glory was becoming dim. So put a veil over his face. But the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is more glorious than Moses. More glory than the law. And that's why, if you notice one thing, the Apostle Paul talks about this a little bit in Romans chapter 8. I said, God, by sending his son in the likeness of human flesh, did what the spirit of the law could not do. And what was that? Save men's soul. Could stop men from sinning. He said, but the spirit of life. Talking about the Holy Spirit. When he came. Go ahead, Rick. And good to see you. Grab your paper towel there, buddy. Okay. I just had a very quick prayer. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, look, we'll stop. And we'll pray for you right now. Yeah. The difference between a sacrificial lamb and a scapegoat. Okay. Hey, I know you know the difference. I do. We are praying that God will break down the walls and that Anna and myself will stop being the family scapegoat. Okay, let's do it now. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand in the gap for Anna and Rick. Uh -huh. And we're asking you, dear Lord, to bring deliverance, bring forgiveness, and bring healing, Lord. In the name of Jesus, and above all, bring salvation to those who are not saved. Yes, Lord. And fill them with your Holy Spirit. Thanks, and put them on the field, bringing forth your gospel to the lost. Thank you. Be with Anna and Rick as they travel back to St. Augustine. Keep them safe, Lord. Yes. And prosper their way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We do have a wonderful praise. The Jewish ministry is working out well. To God be the glory. I'm the associate director of a, a national Jewish outreach that's the oldest ministry to the Jews in the world, CMJ USA. I'll send you an email later. Please do. Okay. All right. You Thank live you. in Jacksonville now? St. Augustine. You live in St. Augustine now? Here and St. Augustine, the, um, the problem is my mother and the relationship with mom and my siblings. And we are cutting the ties. And we've tried really, really hard the last few years. We've done nothing but persecution. And God is giving me release to let her go. And even if that means we have to move out of here and she ends up in a nursing home, we've done our best. Well, when you come back, maybe you and your wife and Emilio and the pastor and his wife, we can get together and have dinner. It would be wonderful. We, right now, we're still here, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, okay. some Tuesday. Okay. 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 Right. God bless. All right. All right. Let's just go a few more minutes, and then we can get out of here.
So how much better is a ministry that belongs to the Holy Spirit? When you can see the signs and wonders in men's hearts. When God transforms a sinner by the blood of Jesus into a son of daughter. That's the greatest, greatest glory we get to see outside of seeing God and Lord Jesus face to face. Because without Jesus, there would be no seeing God as a loving father. It's just not going to happen. Okay? So he's really giving them something here that they need. Uh, a couple more verses. In verse 9, what is the opposite of seeing the glory of God? The wrath of God? You bet you. That's what he's saying in verse 9. Look up there. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Okay? So Jesus Christ, his ministry, remember the Ten Commandments caused men to be separated from God because it showed them their sins. Paul said, I had not known sin until the law came. And when the law came, he said, I died. Why? Because you realize I'm a sinner and I'm no good to God. And my sins have separated me from my God. There's the prophet Isaiah said. And therefore, there's no life in a dead person who's spiritually dead. You may be breathing, but spiritually to God, you're dead. Okay? In verse 10, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. Is that a right side blur? Is it me? Huh? It's not as clear. As other columns? I thought so. Anyway, for what was glorious has no glory now. Does the law have glory now? No. No, it lost its glory. But does the spirit, does he have glory? Yes, the spirit of righteousness, the spirit of life, the spirit of Christ. It is glorious. Okay? And if what was fading away came with glory, and how much greater is the glory that which lasts? He keeps saying that he wants them to get it. He's pounding a point here that only Jesus Christ can give you glory that lasts. You want to be somebody? You want to gloat as somebody? Get in Christ. Okay? You want to shine? Because the prophet Michael said that those of us in the Lord will shine brighter than the noonday sun. So when God looks down because the light of Christ is in us, God doesn't see darkness. Sin is darkness. What God sees is the light of his son Jesus in all of us. And he said the light is the life of men. The life of Jesus Christ in us is life everlasting. And you remember as we close out with this, Emma, you can close it. You can close it now. When the apostles were on the mountain with Jesus in Matthew chapter 17, known as the mountain of transfiguration, what did they see? What did those three men look at? 
that caused them to shake in their sandals. Uh, come a little better. What did Peter, James, and John saw on the mountain when they went on that mountain with King Jesus? What did they see, Earl? What did they see, Michael? Glory. The glory of Christ in God. In other words, they saw what to them looked like a natural man in the flesh turned to pure what? Light. And they freaked out. And the same John that was on the mountain that witnessed that got called to heaven and saw him in a greater state of glory. And he fainted like a dead man. <laughs> His earthly vessel couldn't handle it. It was too much for him. When Ezekiel saw the radiance of Jesus standing by the river, he fainted. Not Ezekiel, but Daniel. He fainted. So Paul said, listen, you ain't seen nothing yet because the glory of Christ is far greater than anything you can ever see. And he's given that glory to you. You are his glory on earth. And that's awesome. And everybody should see his glory in you. And so it's a sad indictment against the church when the ungodly says words like this. We can't see no difference in how the church live and how we live. Where is the glory of Christ in the believers? Where? I was at the bar earlier. Yeah, I was at the bar. I'm going to tell them myself. And I sat there with a so-called brother in Christ. Can't call in the names. And he mentioned, bring him a Long Island tea. And I said, under one condition. And the bartender said, what's that? I said, that Jesus Christ, my king, come down here, stand in front of me, and he had one too, and we drank it together. <laughs> Are you getting that? We can live among them, but we must be what they are. We can live among them, but we must not be what they are. Right. You didn't say not. I didn't say not? I thought I did. In my mind, it said, but my mouth got too slow. <laughs> we must not be what they are. Live in the world, but not. In the world, but not of the world. Amen. So they know who I am. I go and I shake their hands. I sit and I talk to them. They laugh. They joke. They smack them. One smack them on the back pretty hard. I say, you killed the tick or the flea? <laughs> but they know I'm not budging. <laughs> 
720. You walk out the door at 730. Is that good enough? 30 minutes to get home? Is that enough time? I'm <laughs> And I know how she drives her lead foot. So I just want to say this to you. Paul just spent a, a great deal of time on this portion of the letter telling the Corinthians that you're different. And you're our testimony to show that God has done a work in you, that Lord Jesus has done a mighty work in you. You don't need to brag on us. We don't need men to brag on us. We don't need to brag on ourselves. But we have this confidence, and our confidence comes from God. We know who we are. We know what we've been commissioned or ordained to do. You are the result of it. You used to have a glory that was passing away, the glory that brought you death, but now you have a glory, the glory of Christ, that will never fade away, okay? And you are God's handwriting on the table of our hearts and on men's hearts. People can see what you used to be, but they also see what you are now in Christ. Jesus himself done the work. Not us. Okay? Well, he spent a lot of time on that glory part, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So your light's supposed to shine, Shelly. Another way to translate glory is brightness. Okay? Your life is supposed to be the light of the world. Part of the very first sermon that Lord Jesus taught, known as the Sermon on the Mount. But how your life is supposed to be like that lighthouse that sits on a hill. That everybody does what with it? They see it. Yeah. Or that lamp that sit on the table in a dark house and is brightening up the house. That's your life. And another uh, parable that he gave about that is that your life is like salt. You're the salt of the earth. But if that salt had lost its season, its ability to season, or the ability to make a change, then what good are you? It's nothing but to be thrown out and trodden on the foot of men, otherwise they become a pathway. And men walk on you. You're no good for nothing to God or to people. Okay? But Christ said you are the salt of the earth. That means you got season in you. And season make things taste what? Taste good. So are you that? Yes you are. Yes we are. And don't you forget that tonight. Because the Lord Jesus Christ paid too big of a price, okay, for you not to be so. And when I went into the food bank this morning, I cut up. They said, one of the guys said, Sam, I'm preaching again. And uh, one of the secretaries just said, no, that's just Sammy being Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the man, and we're closing this. And, and Dick back there can close us in prayer. I walked in and asked the man, so how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. So what do you mean you're doing good? I said, you're a son of God? Yes, I am. I said, then you're not doing good. He said, what am I, great? I said, by worldly standards, maybe. But you belong to Jesus. 
I say you're far, far beyond greatness. What am I then? He asked, he said, well, I don't know what you want me to be. I said, I'm going to tell you what the Lord said you'd be, not what I said. In his very first sermon, he said, blessed are the what? Poor in spirit. And then I said, he went down and gave you a blessing. He said, you're blessed. He didn't say you're good, you're great. He said, you're blessed. He go, I got it now, brother. He said, thank you for pointing that out to me. I said, so are you good? He said, no. Are you great? No, I'm blessed. Because <laughs> that's what separates us from the earth and heaven. The earth is good and great, right? But those who are in Christ Jesus are what? Blessed. We're blessed. Close in prayer clinic. Thank you, Jesus, for the uh, message you gave us today. Thank you for the ability for all of us to gather and learn more of your word. Um, please be with everybody on their journey home. Make it safe for them. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as you all go out, please be careful. And we still want to tell our brothers and sisters around the world that the blood of Jesus does not change. It is still required in order for a person to be saved. It is, it is still required that you believe in the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, says the Lord. God bless you.